Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of muscarinic antagonists from the pharmacology section on MedBullets.com. Let's get into the episode. Let's first talk about the different therapeutic actions for muscarinic antagonists. We'll go over the various different drugs and their corresponding organ systems along with clinical applications and comments. Let's first start off with the drugs atropine, homatropine, and tropicamide. The organ systems involved with these drugs include the eye and the cardiac tissues. With respect to their clinical application, these drugs cause medriasis and cycloplegia. They are used for ophthalmologic exams and can also be used for post-MI bradyarrhythmias. The next drug is benztropine. This drug affects the CNS system and is mainly used in Parkinson's disease. Moving on to the next drug, scopolamine, also affects the CNS and is used in motion sickness and is a drug with fast onset. The next medication is ipratropium. This drug mainly affects the respiratory system and is used in conditions such as asthma, COPD, and for relief of rhinorrhea with common cold, along with allergic rhinitis and non-allergic rhinitis. Note that a drug called tiotropium produces a longer bronchodilator effect compared to ipratropium. And moving on to the penultimate set of drugs, oxybutynin, trospium, and glycopyrrolate, these drugs mainly affect the genitourinary system, and they are used to reduce urgency in mild cystitis and to reduce bladder spasms after urologic surgery. And finally, the last set of drugs include methscopolamine, pyrenzepine, and propantheline. These drugs affect the gastrointestinal system and are mainly used for peptic ulcer treatment. Let's now get into further details about the drug atropine. Atropine is a muscarinic antagonist, and these antagonists blocks the effects of cholinesterase inhibitor poisoning. The organ systems that are affected by atropine include the eye, where there is an increase in pupil dilation and cycloplegia, the lungs, where there are decreased secretions, and the GI and GU systems, where there is a decrease in stomach acid secretion, decreased gut motility, and decreased urgency in cystitis. Atropine toxicity involves the following symptoms. In the CNS, there would be an increased body temperature, disorientation, and hyperthermia in infants. In the cardiovascular system, you would see tachycardia and flushing. Dermatologically speaking, you would see anhydrosis and urticaria. In the GI and GU systems, you would see dry mouth, constipation, and urinary retention. And in terms of ocular findings, you would see cycloplegia, acute angle closure glaucoma, and dry eyes. There is a famous adage among the medical community that can help with remembering the various different findings associated with atropine. And it goes by, quote, hot as a hair, dry as a bone, red as a beet, blind as a bat, mad as a hatter, the bowel and bladder loser their tone, and the heart runs alone. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 12-year-old boy is brought to the emergency department by his mother because he has been having difficulty breathing. He started having symptoms about three days ago when he started experiencing persistent coughing, runny nose, and a low-grade fever. Since then, he has been experiencing dyspnea that grew worse until he felt that he could no longer breathe. His mom says that this has happened many times before. 
On presentation, physical exam reveals an anxious, thin boy who is using his accessory muscles to breathe. Prolonged expiratory wheezes are heard on auscultation of his lungs bilaterally. During stabilization, he is prescribed a drug for treatment of his condition. The patient's mother recognizes the drug since her father, a 40-pack-year smoker, also takes the medication, and she is told that the drug is able to beneficially inhibit a receptor on smooth muscle in both cases. Which of the following drugs most likely has a similar mechanism of action as the drug prescribed to this patient? 1. Cortisol 2. Glycopyrrolate 3. Isoproterenol 4. Theophylline or 5. Xyluton And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, glycopyrrolate. This patient with dyspnea, accessory muscle recruitment, and wheezing most likely has asthma and was prescribed the muscarinic antagonist ipratropium. Glycopyrrolate is another muscarinic antagonist. Muscarinic receptors are a subtype of cholinergic receptors that are primarily found in the central nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, and a variety of smooth muscles. Selectively targeting these receptors with muscarinic antagonists can lead to a diverse array of organ-specific functions. For example, the respiratory muscarinic antagonists ipratropium and tiotropium lead to bronchodilation and can be used in the treatment of both asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Similarly, glycopyrrolate is a urinary-specific muscarinic antagonist that can reduce bladder spasms. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, cortisol, is a corticosteroid that is similar in effect to the asthma drug fluticasone. However, this drug does not directly inhibit smooth muscle. Answer choice 3, isoproterenol, is a non-selective beta-adrenergic agonist that is similar in effect to the asthma drug albuterol. However, this drug is an agonist rather than an inhibitor. Answer choice 4, theophylline, is a methylxanthine that can be used in asthmas and in COPD. However, this drug does not function as a muscarinic antagonist. And finally, answer choice 5, xyluton, is a leukotriene production inhibitor that is similar in effect to Montelukast. However, this drug does not cause direct inhibition of a smooth muscle receptor. In summary, muscarinic inhibitors can have organ-specific actions such as the effect of ipratropium in the treatment of asthma. Next question. A 12-year-old girl is brought to the pediatrician by her father who is concerned about the child's ability to sit in a moving vehicle. She frequently develops nausea and dizziness when riding in a car for more than 10 minutes. The child has vomited twice over the past month while riding in the car. Her symptoms are significantly impairing her ability to make it to school on time without having to stop and get out of the car. The child does well in school and has several close friends. On examination, the child is well-appearing and appropriately interactive. Dick's Hallpike maneuver is negative. Her gait is normal. Strength and range of motion are full and symmetric bilaterally in the upper and lower extremities. The father would like to know if there is anything his daughter can take to be able to sit in a moving vehicle without feeling ill.
A medication with which of the following mechanisms of action is indicated to manage this patient's symptoms. 1. Alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonist. 2. Beta-1 adrenergic receptor agonist. 3. Muscarinic acetylcholine receptor agonist. 4. Muscarinic acetylcholine receptor antagonist. Or 5. Nicotinic acetylcholine receptor agonist. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, muscarinic acetylcholine receptor antagonist. The patient in this vignette presents with dizziness, fatigue, and nausea while riding in vehicles suggestive of motion sickness. Scopolamine can be used to prevent motion sickness via inhibition of the muscarinic acetylcholine receptor, or the M1 receptor. Remember, muscarinic antagonists can have a wide range of effects depending on the location and types of muscarinic receptors they inhibit. Scopolamine is a muscarinic antagonist that is commonly used as prophylaxis against motion sickness. It functions by inhibiting the M1 receptor, which is found in the central nervous system. In the CNS, M1 receptor activation induces emesis, so M1 receptor antagonists can help to decrease vomiting. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonists, such as clonidine, reduce the brainstem vasomotor center-mediated central nervous system activation. These can be used as antihypertensive agents and sedatives. Answer choice 2, beta-1 adrenergic receptor agonists, such as dobutamine and isoproterenol, stimulate adenylate cyclase. These can be used to treat cardiogenic shock and heart failure. Answer choice 3. Muscarinic acetylcholine receptor agonists, such as pilocarpine and bethanicol, can have different effects depending on where they act. Pilocarpine can be used to treat glaucoma, and bethanicol can be used to treat bladder hypotonia. And finally, answer choice 5, nicotinic acetylcholine receptor agonists, such as nicotine, stimulate nicotinic activity in the central and peripheral nervous system. Nicotinic receptors function at the neuromuscular junction to control muscle contraction. In summary, scopolamine can prevent motion sickness via inhibition at the muscarinic M1 receptor. And that's all for this review about muscarinic antagonists. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are already, please be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.